Welcome back to Cargumentative. I'm your host, Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times. And for the first time in weeks, we're not broadcasting from the virtual studio. We're broadcasting from the real life studio here at Arena Holdings in Parktown. And I'm joined in studio by Brenwin. Hello. Thank uh, you for, uh, for having me. Well, thank you for braving, you know, <laughs> donning your, your beautiful face mask and uh, joining us here. And uh, Dennis. Yeah, great to be back. And here we are face to face or kind of, you know, <laughs> since we're still behind masks and some of us are behind shades. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm think, not, I might not even be who I am. I think we need to upload a picture to accompany this podcast. I, I think so, yeah. yeah. I think I should take a snapshot. Today. You should. Yeah. You should. Guys, what's been happening news-wise? Brenwin. Well, yeah, let me get into it. Yeah, um, get stuck in there, boy. So, I mean, the seven-seater ladder frame sport utility vehicle category in mm. SA is dominated by two players. No prizes for guessing, Toyota Fortuna and mm. Ford Everest. But there is another often forgotten contender in the form of the Isuzu MUX. And recently, the Japanese manufacturer released the new for 2020 model. And our listeners, of course, know that the MUX was once known as the Chevrolet Trailblazer in its former life, when General Motors still existed in SA. So what can buyers expect? Well, they will notice revised exterior styling with a bolder snout, spiffier backside, and new 18-inch diamond-cut alloys. But the interior was perhaps the aspect that needed more attention, and Isuzu claims to have done that with swankier garnishes for the cabin. Power still comes from a 3-liter, 4-cylinder turbocharged diesel with 130 kilowatts and 380 newton meters, paired with a 6-speed automatic. And pricing starts from 630,400 rand for the 4x2, while the 4x4 is a snip under 700,000 rand. It's got ambient light, ambient lighting as well, I saw. It's got ambient yeah, lighting. Nice. Um, I mean, it's really not a bad package. Good, good alternative, I think, even though it doesn't probably drive as nice as, uh, as the Ford Everest, in my yeah. opinion. I haven't driven one, but it's not a bad-looking vehicle. As bad those, looking as vehicle. those uh, you know, Bucky-derived seven-seaters guy. Yeah. yeah. It is maybe a little bit more, say, rough and ready than, mm. than your more modern sort of SUVs mm. because it is Bucky-based, but I think that's what people expect from it. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it delivers what, what it promises, and from that point of view, you know, and it, they, they're also very good off-road, mm. and it's qu- quite a good adventure family vehicle. It is. It is. Um, so that's from my Suzu. Dennis, anything on your... On your news radar that uh, yes. stands out. So a couple of weeks ago, mm. Porsche launched the Targa version of the 911, mm. which is like a, a semi-cabriolet. So they've decided that the only thing that's cooler than a semi-cabriolet is a semi-cabriolet with a heritage design. Mm. So they've created mm. one that's called, and I'll give you the exact, the full name, the 911 Targa 4S Heritage Design Edition. Now, that's quite a mouthful. <laughs> it is, yeah. remember that. Can't say that with a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's, I took one look at it, especially in that cherry red color that they're marketing it mm. in, and it's, I decided it's quite beautiful. And it's got a number 50 stuck on the side, like, like a racing number. And it's got a lot of sort of uh, historical vibes yeah. with the... Uh, with decals and styling and that's not nearly as cheesy as it sounds it, I think it just comes together as a beautiful looking package mm. and they're creating exactly 992 units 
which of course 992 refers to the internal model designation of the of the new generation 911. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to confirm whether any are coming to South Africa. At, at the moment, they cannot confirm that. Yeah. But I mean, the target is coming at the end of the year. Correct. And yeah. I think we've discussed yeah. it before on the show, but that's a, that's a great looking car. And um, I think it's like a, it's a, it's a cabriolet for people who don't like cabriolets because it gives you the best of both worlds. You know, it's got that nice coupe silhouette, but you've got that novelty factor of stowing that roof under the back section and yeah yeah um, no, so fantastic for mm. our for our listeners who don't understand exactly what a target is uh, like thomas was saying it it still has the the rear window mm. intact so so it doesn't break that lovely coupe roof line except when you take off the electrically operated soft top but uh, it, it's still got that essential coupe roof line albeit briefly interrupted yeah yeah very cool i mean mazda's got something similar with that mx5 uh, rf, RF yeah it's sort of like the car's wearing a hat you know one of those sun visors that just cover the the front the, the half of your forehead yeah <laughs> like those guys in vegas yeah casinos, those like tourist a, guys yeah 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 <laughs> okay well that's pretty cool uh can't go wrong with a new porsche um from germany to america i don't know if you guys saw last week uh ford is bringing back the Mach 1 Mustang. Mm. Uh, that's going to be like a model just below the Shelby's. Uh, so basically a 5-liter V8 with a little bit of like styling tweaks and uh, some suspension tweaks, I would assume. They haven't really, you know, given out much information about it other than it's going to have a 5-liter V8. Um, and that's going to be available for the 2021 model year. Not sure if it's coming here. Yeah, I saw that. It looks mm. very interesting. And, of yeah. course, we've got a quite a Mustang-loving contingent in South Africa. Many of many of them are willing to pay lots of money to go take it to Peter Lindenberg and the likes yeah. to get them done up into Shelby spec and whatnot. Mm. But, yeah, this should be a nice intermediate model. Yeah, it's pretty And it cool. would be nice to see it coming to South Africa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I spoke to Ford, uh, you know, old friend Manesh Pogalu at uh, Ford SA, he said he's doubtful that it'll come here. But, mm. uh, you know, you never know. We weren't going to get the bullet edition, and it eventually came here. So, you know, live and hope. Yeah. Brenwin, anything else? Yeah, no, I mean, that Mustang sounds great. Let's let's stay optimistic about that. Mm. Uh, but back to the Targa, I mean, I know we could probably spend hours and hours talking about the, the lineage of Porsche, but I was pouring through the history of Targa, and for me, I think the 964 iteration of, of, of the Targa is just it's got to be the prettiest. I, I can't really put my finger on it, yeah. but I think it, the proportions and but I could be biased. I mean, for me, that's that's the nine eleven sort sort of from my era, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, the, this new one has got got some interesting tricks from yesteryear, including of all things, corduroy covered seats and um, door panels. That sounds so. That harks yeah. right right back to the Porsche three five six. Yeah, yeah. They're very good at that Porsche. They've got like a a knack of doing retro right you know yeah. it's not it's not contrived uh, but it's cool they yeah. just get it spot on you know so it's it's, I think it's, it's subtle enough that, yeah. that it hasn't become contrived as you say yeah, yeah. exactly anything else on your side we, we've been hearing about a Suzuki Ignis that's mm. uh, that's getting facelifted yeah but I think there's there's nothing mechanical about there about that I was looking at the press release just before we came into studio I was yeah. scanning through it so I don't have all the details but I know that there's some there's some kind of cosmetic changes, and it's it's been by all accounts quite a 
quite a successful little car yeah. for, for Suzuki. I right? saw two on the way to work now uh, this morning, which is weird because, you know, I also just was alerted to the fact that they're launching this new facelifted model. And there they were, two coming up in my rearview mirror. Cute little cars, those. Yeah, um, and I bad. think, I mean, now is the time for, for cars like that, compact well-designed and affordable models. I, yeah. think. I mean, we, we, we do know that things are tough at the moment, of mm. course. Yeah. Um, I know BMW and Mercedes-Benz launched their new uh, E-Class and 5 Series last week. But I think in the South African context, a, a car like the Ignis is, is just bound to dominate headlines. Um, yeah, totally. This week, you know, it's it's relevant and uh, it's it's what people are going to be looking mm. at. And people are buying down. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's the way, huh? Uh, cheap cheap cars to run low cost of ownership it's the way forward I think for the next couple of years um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you shortly True Crime South Africa is a podcast that unpacks solved and unsolved true crime cases in South Africa. If you're interested in advertising on our platform, please forward all advertising queries to timeslive.co.za. Welcome back to Cargumentative. Guys, that time of the show, we need to tell our, our listeners here what we've been driving. Uh, Dennis, let's start with you. Well, I'm, as they say, between test cars. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I've been driving my own Waftmobile yeah. for the last week or so. This is a 1985 Mercedes 380 SEC Coupe, mm -hmm. which for my sins, I decided I would jump down the classic car rabbit hole and yeah. buy for myself a few months back. Okay. And yeah, I've enjoyed taking the old gal out for the occasional spin to the, the shops, etc., and yeah. making sure that her, her oil is running through her veins yeah. and uh, that the battery stays alive. And yeah, I've, in, I've enjoyed it. You know, I, like I've said before, it, it's a great reset mm. because we drive all these modern cars and they're so slick and sometimes sanitized and a little bit boring at times, yeah. not always. Mm. And to delve back into you know, 35 years ago, mm. what, what the luxury manufacturers are doing, it's, it's quite fun to sort of clear out the cobwebs and just do something different. Exactly. It's like a sorbet between courses. It's a palate cleanser. You know, quite you get right. that nice little yeah. reset <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can just think, yeah, yeah. technology's come a long, long way. Um, how's that car on fuel? It's uh, it's actually not terrible. Yeah. I mean, it uses about let's say eleven or twelve liters per hundred. So okay. it's not that bad. It's yeah. not it's not like driving say uh, a Galander Wagen, a G sixty three or something, which uses twenty three <laughs> liters. Liters, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. Okay. And the ride quality? Do you oh, find that's it, that's do why, find why that's awesome why I bought yeah. her and, and dubbed her the Waftmobile yeah. because it just kind of puts you into this uh, more relaxed frame of mind just because mm. it wafts and it rides so comfortably. Yeah. Proper CEO mobile. That yeah. it would be interesting if you traced uh, trace the history of it and and see who owned that car over the years. Yeah, I'm not sure how many owners it had. had you know, I, maybe yeah. I should actually go into that. Yeah, I'm no, sure it's, it's got some interesting names attached to it. Hmm. Yeah. Where's it been? What has it seen? Yeah. It's quite cool to delve into a, a vehicle's ownership 
you know, yeah. so history and see who actually had the car. Yeah. Just yeah. adds to that rich patina, yeah. to use the term. <laughs> and, and also the year of manufacture was, mm. or the f- year of first registration was 1985, which is the year I got my driver's license. Okay. So, wow. so that was also part of the reason I bought it. Yeah. yeah. Very special. Paige is shaking her head in the studio because she wasn't even around in 1985. <laughs> in fact, I doubt she was even around in 1995. But, you know, she likes to make us feel old. Feel, yeah, all of us here. Brenwin? Yeah, well, going from uh, retro luxury mm. to to a modern-day uh, crossover, which is, of course, all the rage these days, as we know. Mm. Uh, last week, I dusted off my contributing presenter hats and did some work for the good people at Ignition GT behind the wheel of the Hyundai Venue. Um, silly name aside, mm. I think this is the right product at the right time. It slots beneath mm. the, the Creta. Um, and consider that the entry-level uh, model comes in at 100,000 Rand less than the Creta. That's, that's an interesting uh, thing there. Uh, so I drove the middle-grade the middle grade fluid model with a six-speed manual and a three-cylinder, one-liter turbocharged engine. Got 88 kilowatts, 172 newton meters, and it's really peppy. And I was quite surprised by by its smoothness. I mean, usually those engines with uneven number of cylinders, three cylinders, can be quite clattery, you know. Uh, a dual clutch automatic option is on offer, and I think if you can afford it, that's the one to go to. A transmission yeah. works really well. So pricing starts at 279,900, uh, easily in the realm of the Mahindra XUV 300. Ford EcoSport and of course that uh, Volkswagen T-Cross which is selling like hotcakes um, and I think it's it's a really compelling choice in the segment it looks the part performs better than one expects and you know it has a sense of quality that uh, you might not initially assume and you've also got that lengthy warranty from Hyundai to top it off so I think many uh, many shoppers considering the i20 uh, for example are going to be swayed in the direction of the venue because you're just getting more for your money yeah i was impressed with that car i had it on test uh, before lockdown and i had the same model as you the fluid mm. uh, which is quite like a millennial it's got like a millennial connotations you know sure fluidity yeah agility. Yeah, yeah yeah you know <laughs> um and um, i think it's 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 if you were considering a volkswagen t-cross the the venue gives you a lot more for your money, mm. um, and it's it's as good to drive. I think. Um, I agree. Um, it doesn't it doesn't have much as, as as much power, but the torque curve I found is a lot flatter, so you don't have to change gears quite as much. Um, it handles well, it rides well, the quality seems to be there. It's uh, you know, it's, it's a good it, option. It's maybe not as handsome as a T Cross. I think Volkswagen really got that car right in terms mm. of a styling point of view. But for what it offers and how it drives, venue's a pretty damn good option. Mm. No, I agree with you. I drove it briefly, mm. and I was, I was as impressed with it as, as you were. And obviously, the T-Cross is the big seller in that market. Yeah. The E-Cross, I mean, T-Cross and the Echo Sport. So this is a new player in that segment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, perhaps not as easy on the eye necessarily, although yeah. it's very subjective yeah. as T-Cross, yeah. but in terms of its ride and handling and interior space, etc., I mean, it's, it's right on the button. Yeah, it doesn't quite have the brand, you know, the, the brand kudos behind it as well, but uh, if you want to save some cash and be smart about it and you want to cross over, then uh, that venue 
Pretty damn good. I can tell you which one of those two I'd rather be owning after four years once the the plans and ha- have expired. And it's definitely the Hyundai. I mean, mm. for them to give a car a seven-year, 200,000-kilometer warranty, that's that just shows you. They're yeah, that confident. is a great warranty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I've been driving. I had a Kia Seltos. First time I drove that. I had the top-of-the-range one, the GT line. Mm. Um, unfortunately, didn't get to drive it much. Um, drove it to Thunderbell Park which was depressing <laughs> um, and bleak. But um, also, good offering from Kia. Um, nice styling. Um, there's a little bit of a, an Evoke vibe happening there. Um, great engine, that 1.4 turbo. Offers pretty punchy performance. Nice interior. I mean, it's a good car. Um, don't know if you guys had it. No, I like it yeah. too, particularly yeah. that Evoke kind of like yeah. styling. So I think they, they've they've got a little foothold in that market segment, particularly with uh, with that styling. Yeah, I mean that GT line's maybe a little bit pricey. Uh, I think it was four seventy, if I remember offhand. I yeah, can't connect it, to the it, internet it does right air now. On that side, and I think the. The the trump card of that Seltos, I mean, if you're comparing to the T-Cross, the Venue, mm. and Citroen C3 Aircross as well, is that it is a little bigger than those cars yeah. that it competes with. Yeah. So I think if space is high on the agenda. You can get that. Yeah. So I had, uh, had a chance to get the Seltos, and then I've got the Suzuki Espresso at the moment, mm. which I must say, um, you know, that, that kind of level of car... Um, that segment, which is occupied by Datsun Go and the Quid and the and the Hyundai Atos, bit of a controversial segment. You know, uh, most of these cars have got atrocious crash test results, um, particularly the Quid and the Go. Um, you'll often hear us banging on about that. Um, so the Espresso joins that party. Hasn't been crash tested yet, so the jury's still out about how badly. You will crash your brains out if you if you do have an accident. But um, as a car, as a as a functional form of getting from A to B, I think it's a it's a it's a really good effort. Mm. Uh, drives well. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel unstable. I mean, when I had the quid and the go, if you go over like like 120, it starts to get very loose and just doesn't feel stable. You know, I, I don't yeah. know if you guys had that experience. Um, on the quit and the go, the steering would never self-center. It would always kind of like just not return all the way to the center point f- through corners. Um, and the Suzuki, it's just, you know, it drives well. Mm. I like the controls. They're well-weighted. There's a sense of quality. It feels tight. It feels well put together. Um, and its engine also, also, I mean, it's got a one-liter three-cylinder, really nice and torquey. Um, and the performance is fine. I mean, mm. I've been cruising up and down the highway at 120, 130. Um, it's got ABS, it's got airbags, it's got Apple CarPlay. It's a good effort. Yeah. I think it's, you know, and priced at 100. I mean, I've got the top of the line one. Dennis had it as well uh, on test. And uh, yeah. I, yeah. I drove it about two weeks ago. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I was very impressed with this little car. Yeah. Um, for its market segment, I, th- I think young first time buyers. Definitely worth the test drive. Definitely. And uh, the the entry-level version is officially South Africa's cheapest car. Yeah. So I was expecting kind of like a very sort of down-market driving experience, but yeah. as you say, it wasn't. Uh, it's, it seems fairly screw, fairly well screwed together. Yeah. And I was p- very pleasantly surprised by the engine performance. As you say, uh, 
even up hills on freeways, you can easily cruise at 120, 130. Yeah. So it, it really punches above its weight. It does. It does. So, I mean, if, you, if you're in that segment, definitely worth checking out, definitely worth driving. Get a year's free insurance, which is also nice, you know. But mm. even if you just want a car, um, if you're over, you know, worrying about cars and dents, I mean, if you buy one of these purely as an appliance, you know, it's an excellent everyday, you know, Sabita that's not going to cost an arm and a leg. Um, and... Yeah, if anything happens to it, you don't really care. So yeah, that's it. That's what we've been driving. That's what has been in our our garages. Uh, we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to be joined in studio by producer Paige, who wants to ask us a couple of questions. Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. You can join myself, Thomas Faulkner, and my regular gang of automotive misfits as we discuss motoring news, views, and of course, have a cargument or two. That's Cargumentative only on Times Live Motoring. Welcome back to Cargumentative. We're joined in, in studio now by producer Paige. She's making a, a rare appearance. She's uh, skipped through from her production desk. And uh, she's got a couple of questions to ask us about uh, car guys and, and car culture. I really do. But first, we need some context. So we've been running Cargumentative for what is it, Tom? Like close to two years Yeah, now? I think so. It's been a while. It's been a long time. And total open cards... I know nothing about cars, absolutely mm. nothing. So the gents have to set the show topics. But after two years, you kind of pick up some stuff. So as I've been shamed before, I'm from Boxburg. And in Boxburg, car guys look very, very different to uh, Santon, Melville, the like, this general area. In Boxburg, the gents I know who are car guys are grease heads they want to get into the engine they want to rip it apart they want to change the sound system later they want to take it out to the rock and drag race it and pop its tires and put on new ones here people own porsches and they don't they don't touch it <laughs> like they just own it you know what i mean and occasionally they like to go and look at it and drive it on long stretches of roads so i'm wondering are there different kinds of car guys and which car guys are you sure Wow. Who wants to kick this off? I'll kick it off. You want to kick, kick it off? off. Okay. Look, I mean, I think the one thing I've, I've, I've learned uh, being in the industry over the last couple of years is that the breed of car guy is so wonderfully diverse. And, you know, very often you'd find that some, some groups are at loggerheads with the others. For example, mm. like the stance community, mm. uh, people who, who like their cars to, to kiss the ground and have wheels at, speed bumps. At, at, at a serious negative camber, which is hugely impractical and probably unsafe. But these guys will defend it to the mm. hilt, and that's cool. I love the fact that, that the car community is so diverse. As for myself, I think my tastes are perhaps a bit eclectic and eccentric. I like things that people perhaps don't agree with or may not like. For example, beige interiors, big fan. Wood inlays, <laughs> bring those back, please. Fake. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, well, maybe not so much fake, but but you know, I I think it's it's great that that we're also different um in our likes and and preferences. Okay. Have you ever gotten into an engine? Well, I I could it apart I could do the time? basics. I could do the basics. Uh-huh. Um I think YouTube uh and the internet has really helped in the last couple of years for just for anyone wanting to to broaden their knowledge i mean if you're looking to buy a, a any kind of car out there you can go and and find known faults how to do th- uh, certain things you know change a fuel pump like thomas did the other day on his uh, 911 he mm-hmm. was telling us you know i mean i could do the basics i think i'm not totally hopeless and i could probably get by um you know, before calling in the help of someone like uh, <laughs> Adam Ford from Buyer's Guide or something, you know. Just but, shows uh, you. Don't assume you know your car, guys. Yeah, but I think, look, I mean, I would advocate the essentials for anyone. Change a tire. That's If you can change a tire, I think you'll be fine. Yeah. So your passions are like odd cars. Yeah, I like, I like odd cars. I like, I like everything with wheels, really. Eh? From a Datsun Go, which I got on two wheels last year, if... Some people remember mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. to yeah. Um, yeah, so of course you're more exotic wares. But as I've probably mentioned uh, a few times on the show in the last couple of weeks, that I'm really, really keen to own a classic, and I'm going to take mm-hmm. the plunge and get an old W one two three at some point in the near future. So, what would you categorize him as, Tom? <laughs> Who? Brenwin. Brenwin. Yes. Brenwin is like a. Is he a classic car guy? I think he's a jack of all trades. You know, <laughs> a jack of all he's trades. He's a jack of all trades. He's just a car lover. He can appreciate a little bit of everything. He's the Casanova of car drivers. <laughs> well, yeah. Wow. Sure. I think a, <laughs> if, I if, if I had far. Tinder, I'd put that in my bio. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what it. about you, Dennis? Yeah, I just want to jump in here on the fixing or servicing your own car aspect. I grew up. On the East Rand, like you, Paige. So I don't know if this has anything to do with it. <laughs> I'm but, telling you. But my late father, he would always fix his own cars. He says, whatever a mechanic can do, I can do just as well. And he was that kind of Mr. Fix-It, and he would just fix everything. But I'm not talking about taking out a carburetor. He would take out a whole engine and gearbox, and it would be in 6,000 pieces on the floor of the garage. I was horrified. I said, how, how are you ever going to get this back together again? And he would systematically fix it, put it together again. And I'm ever, fa- I'm ever thankful for, for him, you know, to him for doing that because I then grew up also, you know, not, not taking apart the whole engine and gearbox, but it it's gave me the basics. So I would service my own cars back in the day when you could like a Nissan 1400 Bucky or something like that. They were so actually simple to, to operate on. You would change the the spark plugs, the points and condenser. Most people today don't even know what a points and condenser is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. The, the, yeah, the air filter, the oil, and this whole this whole exercise would take you like half an hour. And if you did it at home, it could cost you like a third of the price of, you know, taking mm. it to, a, to an official mechanic. So... Mm. So from that point of view, I suppose I'm I'm a hands-on kind of guy. Mm. Nowadays, you can't really do that because cars are also computerized and and so high tech. You have to have a laptop even into the base baseline cars nowadays. You have to plug in a laptop. You won't be able to really fix it at home. Yeah, which kind of has its, its pluses and minuses because you know if there's a problem, the chances are if you've got one of those OBD port scanners, you can plug it in and you can see like where the fault may be, and you can kind of go about you know trying to fix that you know it may just be a faulty sensor or something which you can hopefully buy and replace but um yeah i mean to wrench on cars uh, 
I started on my first cars I used to try and get stuck in and do stuff myself you know mm. um, I mean my first car was a Golf 2 GTI which was pretty simple to work on and that ended up uh, kissing a tree and then I ended up driving a Opel Cadet which was also really simple um, and uh, you know these were easy cars to work on at home and I could do the basics as well like oil changes and filters and spark plugs and stuff like that but I think I think when you get to certain cars, you start getting the fear. Like, I mean, I've got a classic 911, and although on paper it's relatively simple, it's not relatively simple. <laughs> and, you know, you may be able to get all the parts for them, but the parts are very expensive. Mm. So you, you start to get this, like, this mental block about doing anything on it because, A, if you screw it up, it's going to be very expensive. And B, if you screw it up, it might have like a chain of events down the line that might cause more problems. So from that point of view, I've always been very wary about working on on uh, on that car. So it's better to just send it to a specialist. Uh, and that's also kind of quite a conflict because you want to do stuff on your mm. own and you want to try and, you know, you want to be, you know, a car guy. Like you just don't want to roll over and be you know, in the in the hands of a mechanic or a specialist. But unfortunately, that's how you have to do things with certain cars. I don't know. For me, it's, you know, I don't know if you feel the same on your on your Merc or that. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy tinkering yeah. uh, as long as the stuff doesn't get too high a grade. Yeah. So, for instance, I changed the the electric seat motor. On, on my Merc because that I went onto YouTube and learned how to do yeah. it and it seemed like quite straightforward and boom bang it was done in about half an hour so that kind of tinkering is hunky dory and for instance I will, I will change the brake pads of a vehicle yeah I wouldn't necessarily advise everybody with, with you know some, someone that doesn't have any mechanical knowledge to do this at home okay disclaim it don't try this at <laughs> home folks <it's> like, <laughs> but <laughs> because it's a safety item but because I grew up in the background, I did with my dad being Mr. Fix-It. He showed me how to do it properly. You know, that, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm happy to do. Mm. But that's remarkable because for me, again, growing up in Boxford, my dad was the same. I wasn't allowed as a girl to pick up the keys of a car until I could change my own oil filter, change out the wheel. I didn't have to know anything about the car. I just had to know brake pads, oil filter, petrol tank, all of the, the basics. I had to know those before he had let me have a car. Mm. So when I got here, like, I think what I'm trying to say is that there is more than one type of car person. And just because they don't necessarily change out their own brake pads doesn't mean that they're less of a car person. I mean, you took me to that show. We did that show once. What was it called? There were so many shows. Which one, Paige? With the, the big trucks? The, no, with the <laughs> uh, restorations of the classic cars. Yeah. And that was awesome. I mean, and there you can really see the people who have bought mm. luxury cars and all they want to do is fix them and make them exactly the way they were. Yeah. And the entire thing is restoration. And then you have collectors of cars who have come there and they've just decided this mark is my mark. That's right. I used mark. Yeah. You may congratulate me. Good work. Um, <laughs> and they're just collecting all of the models of that mark. And then, of course, you've got your drag racers who don't care what the car looks like anymore. Mm. It's yeah. a scoro scoro, and they're cool with that as long as the things inside have been stripped and it's fast, you know. So I think what I'm getting at is thank you for introducing me to all of these people 
and yeah. to Ignition um, TV, who have also introduced me to all of these strange and wonderful people. Yeah. I suggest people get to know the different kinds of car guys. Yeah, it's a great it's a great community to to be a part of, and I think each of us, in our own circles of friends, can can already identify like three or four of these different groups. You know? Yeah, I mean, you get you get the type who are you know like incredibly pedantic, and the car needs to be original, and and everything has to be like it should have been when it came out of the factory. And then you get others who who aren't scared to like modify Mods, and yeah. and, and uh, sculpt it into a like a avatar, like a pump my ride <laughs> of yeah. their own personality. <laughs> so the car becomes this this avatar of of uh, you know of who who they are and uh, how they you know go about doing things but um yeah originality can be a curse because it's chasing the dragon you know especially if you're working on a, a classic car oh, or yeah. something like that yeah there's always something and it, it drives you mad you know you, you 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 kind of go down this 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 deep rabbit hole of of financial pain and <laughs> you know emotional pain because you I know mean, it's not perfect yeah. but you want it to be perfect and it's just yeah, it can it can yeah. be uh, it can be it can be nasty. It's and you did warn me about that before I bought my classic car. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Exactly. I I had her all spick and span ready for her first uh, classic car show outing, and you know, shiny and everything was in working order. And the first thing people noticed, the purist, was that she didn't have the original wheels on. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the one thing I still have to change on there. And yeah. you know, one of my colleagues earlier today also pointed that out. <laughs> so that's, in, that's the next investment. Yeah, you see. And people, and like it gets into your head and you're like, yeah. oh, I want it to be just right. And like, you know, I thought it was perfect, but it's not because somebody pointed out this flaw. And then you keep on chasing this. Yeah. It's terrible. It sounds like my own personal hole. Yeah, it <laughs> anyway, is. I challenge oh. our listeners to discover what kind of car guy they actually actually are because I don't think you guys think about that yeah. it's just something I noticed and I found yeah. out but I think you also change I think you like adapt what you like and and what you what you what kind of scene you do want to be part of you know I mean as a younger person it's always about fast cars supercars performance cars yeah uh, and True. to me I mean I find like most of the supercars out there I find them I find them boring because you're never going to exploit the limits of that vehicle on our everyday streets you've got to go to a track and then even then you know you, you're kind of not even getting you know close to what those cars can do and deliver yeah. so they yeah. kind of they kind of become this this 500 kilowatt white elephant in a way because you're never ever going to use that power to its ability yeah no i agree with you i mean the, as a as emotive as these cars are like for instance a Porsche GT3 yeah. RS is amazingly emotive, but you're not going to get to its levels of capability unless you're a proper racing driver or whatever. Yeah. But then something like a Mazda MX-5 can give you the same kind of thrill yeah. with far less with far less power, uh, just because it's such a purest driving experience. So you don't necessarily have to have a gazillion kilowatts to really enjoy the drive. No, mm. and that's like like a whole you know that's a whole other conversation that we could have one day it's mm. just like you don't have to spend a fortune on getting this this car that people perceive to be better or or you know um you know sort of more uh, you know sort of higher up the status ladder when you can get these these more affordable cars which which on on an everyday day-to-day -day basis you're going to have a ball in yeah oh yeah and more fun and less stress about you know 
what happens to it or if it gets dinged in a car park or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was looking at uh, prices on auto trade of early stock of the new A45 and one particular unit had been spec'd up to the region of 1.4 million rand or so. And I was thinking to myself that, I mean, f- for that money, you know, the average person could probably go out and buy three different cars to serve all their needs, mm. you know. it's. I think it, it should probably be a, a topic for another show at, at some yeah. point, but we should look into um, sensible buying options for, yeah. you know, for someone who wants, who's got a bit of money to spend and who wants... Maybe, shall we say, champagne thrills on a beer budget. Exactly, having fun <laughs> on a budget yeah. because that's yeah, that's you know, you don't have to spend a fortune, and you, and and you don't have to listen or bow into the peer pressure. Yeah, a lot of people will say, you know, oh, don't get that; it's a Mazda. Don't get this. I've learned that that's not true at all. You know, um, some of the best cars I've ever owned have been, you know, Toyotas and stuff like that. Like my mm-hmm. MR2, that was a great car, and people kind of. L- looked down on it because it was, you know, kind of like a a weird copy of a MX-5. But it was it was a, a brilliant car and I had a lot of fun in it and I'm actually sad that it's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a lot of bad snobbery out there. Oh, huge. Too and much. Yeah. It doesn't always equate to the driving experience, no. as, as you say. Yeah. No. But that, yeah, that is a, another conversation we can have. Producer Paige is in the studio. I'm in the antsy. studio. I don't know how to tell you to rap from the side of the mic. <laughs> no one's controlling the studio, so <laughs> you have to shout loudly into the microphone. Please rap, rap yeah. Tom. It's We're just chaos. <laughs> it is chaos. Tom, hurry up, rap. All right, I'm wrapping it up, guys. <laughs> Brenwin, Dennis, Paige, thank you for joining uh, me in the studio today. It was quite nice to be back uh, and behind a proper microphone. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, gents. Uh, cool. Always a pleasure. Yeah, great to be back. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and, uh, thanks for letting me in. It's weird on the side. Oh. Yeah, thanks for joining us, producer yeah. Page. <laughs> and uh, we'll be with you guys again next week for another episode of Cogumentative. <laughs>